0: Welcome to the Juno Report, brought to you by Guide Dog Users Incorporated, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. The Juno Report is a monthly audio magazine featuring all things guide dogs, training programs, and items of general interest to guide dog teams. We welcome your feedback, ideas, and suggestions. Get in touch with the Juno Report by emailing Report at guidedogusersinc.org. Again, that email address is Juno J-U-N-O report at guide dog users I love my dog,
1: baby, I love
0: my dog. And now let's get on with today's program of the Juno Report. And welcome to the March edition of the Juno Report brought to you by Guide Dog Users Incorporated. This is a little bit uh, slower-paced Juno report today. We actually don't have as much content. Usually, I am frantically trying to get everything squished in to the tiny time we have and lamenting the fact that I don't think we should increase the length of the program. But this month, because we have some very special information It made it impossible to uh, really add more content. So we have kind of a relaxed show, and it will be slightly short, and we apologize for that but uh, ACB Radio can uh, yell at me later, I guess. It's just something we couldn't help. I thought I'd start, though, with just a little bit of show trivia because, uh, you you know, you like show trivia, don't you? And you've probably been wondering this. Well, maybe you haven't, but I've been dying to share it, but I just never, ever have time. So since we do have time this time, I thought we would. So I have wanted to share with you our theme song. Uh, It's kind of an odd little song. And I have to confess, I didn't work too hard to find it. I went to my music library and I searched for the word Dog? Well, you know, I got all the usual things. How much is that doggy in the window? I got that, and I got um, I'll Be Dog Gone by Marvin Gaye, <laughs> and uh, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog, which uh, um, my guide Praline said we really could not use. So I had to work a little harder to get a song that she would accept, and I, I sort of did. So our theme song is actually a song by Cat Stevens and uh, it's pretty easy for you to guess the title of it from hearing it each month it's called I Love My Dog and I thought it was a perfect song so I uh, we did some editing on it and uh, made it kind of fit our uh, desired length and time and things that we do for the show. And uh, so there's how we got our theme for the Juno Report. And it's kind of fun, but I've never had time to share it with you because we've always had so much to do in the Juno Report. And today is no exception. We just have a little less of it. So um, today on the Juno Report, we're going to spend most of our time uh, talking about the uh, Notice of Proposed Rulemaking by the Department of Transportation. We're going to play the um, excerpt from the American Council of the Blind Legislative Seminar, which was just held last week, at least at the time that we're recording this, uh, was just held at the end of February in Washington, D.C., and we heard from uh, people from Department of Transportation about the process of this rulemaking. You have until April 6th to comment, and I have an article that I'm also going to read to you from Guide Dog Users INC regarding uh, making comments on the proposed rule. But before we do all that really important stuff, we're going to start with a piece from the recent uh, GDUI Pause for News You Can Use on elections and membership in GDUI because we do want to make sure that you have that information. So let's read that article first. Before we get to our main feature of the day, let's talk about elections. Announcing the GDUI 2020 elections. The 2020 GDUI elections will commence on Saturday, May 30th at 12.01 a.m. Eastern Time and will run through Sunday, June 7th, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. GDUI is seeking candidates for the following positions in our May 2020 elections. President, first vice president, second vice president, secretary, and treasurer all are Two-year terms. Then we also have two director seats, which will be three-year terms. GDUI members in good standing are eligible to run for a position on the GDUI board. Interested candidates should submit an application, resume, and cover letter to the nominations committee chair Dixie Sanderson at Director 5 at Guide Dog Users INC. .org by the deadline of March 21st, 2020. The information supplied with the cover letter, application, and resume will be shared with the GDUI members eligible to vote in this election. GDUI members who have paid their dues by this year's record date of April 9, 2020, will be eligible to vote in the May elections. GDUI is proud of our universally accessible voting system in which Each member of GDUI is entitled to a voice in the election of our GDUI board. If you have not renewed your membership, now is the time to do so. An at-large membership in GDUI costs $25 per person per year. Dues may be paid online by going to Inc. .org, or by credit card by calling 1-866-799-8436. Again, that phone number is 866-799-8436, or by mailing your check to the above address and made payable to GDUI. Important dates to remember about the elections. In order to be eligible to vote in the 2020 GDUI election, your 2020 GDUI dues must have been received on or before the record date of April 9, 2020. We will hold two candidates' forums prior to the elections. Phone numbers for these calls will be publicized closer to the dates. Candidates Forum 1 will be Saturday, April 25th, 2020 at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Candidates Forum 2 will be May 21st on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Between the dates of April 1st, 2020, and April 15th, 2020, we encourage members to submit questions for your candidates. Please submit your questions to the nominations chair, Dixie Sanderson, and her address again is director5 at guide guidedogusersinc.org and include forum question in the subject line of your message, because you know she's going to get so many. Election period, Saturday, May 30th, 1201 a.m. Eastern Time through Sunday, June 7th, 2020 at 1159 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, and so the application and candidacy questions are on the guide dog Users inc.org page and be sure to specify uh, which positions you are interested to run. We want to extend many thanks to Dixie Sanderson, Chair of the GDUI Nominations Committee, and committee members, Cynthia Hawkins, Pauline Lamentain, and Deb Trevino. So thank you very much, and happy voting, GDUI members. All right, and uh, now we will go on to our important feature. And we actually kind of have, well, we have lots of people to thank for this. We have ACB Radio to thank for recording it. We have ACB to thank for having this uh, wonderful legislative seminar and including this important information in it. But we actually have to kind of thank Penny Reader on the side because last night at the Board of Publications meeting, she said to me, Don't you think you could maybe use the uh, legislative update from the Department of Transportation in your next Juno report? And I said, I have to make that Juno report tomorrow. I don't think so. But then as I thought about it, I thought, Yes, I can. I can find that. I can do that. So thanks to Penny. Uh, we have this here right for your convenience, and we're going to go right now to the ACB legislative seminar from Monday morning, and Claire Stanley from our advocacy team at the ACB office is going to kick off this presentation. It is only edited very, very slightly to uh, remove some big Uh, gaps uh, while microphones were being passed, etc. But all of the content of this presentation is here, and let's give a listen to this very, very important presentation.
2: I'm really excited to introduce our next panel. We'll be talking about accessible air travel and flying dogs. So we'll be talking about what's going on at Department of Transportation and the Federal Aviation Administration. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our four representatives from uh, DOT which we're really fortunate to have. So we have LaVon Chapman, the Chief Aviation Civil Rights Compliance Branch from the Chief Aviation Compliance Stance from Department of Transportation. We've got Alex Tayday, did I say it right? Yes. Yay! Uh, The Supervisory Analyst from U.S. Department of Transportation and two senior council members uh, Rob Gorman and Megan Johnson. Um, We're really excited to have them here today they work very well with the American Council of mine. I know anytime I've had any questions for DOT or the FAA they're just an email away so we really appreciate the work you guys are constantly doing with us and we're really excited to hear what you guys have to say I know one of the big topics that's gonna come up today is the NPRM for Service Animals on Airplanes and they graciously brought their two senior counsel to talk about that issue as well. Um, So without further ado, we're gonna start uh, with LaVon, I'm assuming, and we'll go down our four person panel. Thank you.
3: Well, good morning. Uh, Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Claire. Alex and I have been coming by and uh, speaking to uh, ACB for a number of years now, and uh, a testament to our long friendship, Claire, is that um, you called me by my old title. <laughs> oh, I, apologize. I, apologize. I um, for about a year now, I've been one of uh, two deputy assistant general counsels in the office. I still have as part of my portfolio uh, civil rights and uh, in particular, uh, access, uh, Air Carrier Access Act uh, related issues, uh, which is certainly a point of uh, passion for me and everybody else that's up here uh, with me. Um, As Claire noted, I'm here with uh, Alex Tayday. He has, uh, for about a year now too, assumed a new title, uh, Director of uh, Civil Rights Advocacy. Um, and we've got uh, our two uh, service animal experts in the office, they do the lion's share of uh, the service animal work as it relates to our enforcement priorities, uh, final statement, and uh, the service animals uh, ANPRM and NPRM. and. Um, likely of course, uh, final rule, uh, this year as well. So we've got Rob Gorman and, uh, Megan Johnson who are both, both, uh, uh, valuable, um, senior attorneys in our office. Um, I've been with the department for about 15 years now. I can't believe it's been that long and, um, uh, currently in this office, uh, since, uh, 2007. Um, as I noted uh, just a moment ago, Alex and I have been coming to this event for I, I don't even know how long anymore, uh, but we always enjoy it and uh, look forward to your questions and interacting with, uh, with this group. Um, I've, I've always enjoyed um, working with your leadership. Your leadership is top-notch. Um, they are zealous advocates and uh, very effective at what they do, um, and uh, we've enjoyed, uh, as a result, of uh, their advocacy, uh, an excellent relationship that um, um, I, I really want us to uh, continue to, uh, to have as we work toward our shared goals of uh, trying to make uh, the air transportation system uh, more accessible to everybody. Um, just as a reminder about who we are as an office, um, we are the Office of Aviation Enforcement and Proceedings. I like to think of us as a very slim other side of the coin to the FAA, where the FAA has safety authority, we have uh, economic authority. So um, we deal with uh, consumer protection related issues uh, that would of course include uh, civil rights issues and Air Carrier Access Act issues, which is a a component of that. Um, Currently we're about 30 people, I believe, in the office. Roughly half of the folks are attorneys who are responsible for enforcement for rulemaking and for outreach activities. Uh, The other half of the office is uh, comprised mostly of transportation and industry analysts who um, serve as the main face of the office. They do the lion's share, the interaction with members of the public and uh, airlines. Uh, They provide um, information to members of the public uh, through various means, telephone, uh, email. Um, and uh, they in- assist uh, consumers with uh, investigating uh, complaints and assist our office with uh, investigations as well uh, uh, against their airlines um, I'll turn it over to Alex in a bit to talk in greater detail about uh, how we handle complaints but I did want to uh, first make just a brief mention and then get out of the way and let you listen to what you really hear for um, service animals um, but mention really briefly about some of the things we're working on um, most of you, if not all of you, are likely familiar with the uh, FAA Reauthorization Act of uh, 2018. Um, that piece of legislation um, provided um, a great deal of uh, action items for our office. Uh, there were more than um, 30 uh, provisions in there that required our office or require our office to uh, conduct such things as um, advisory committees, uh, reports, studies. Um, Claire, of course, is on our Air Carrier Access Act Advisory Committee. Uh, We're very pleased uh, to to have her as part of that. Um, We put out a notice last week uh, announcing the first meeting, uh, which will occur uh, March 10th through the 11th of the Advisory Committee. Uh, Just by way of background, quickly, uh, Section 439 of the FAA Reauthorization Act required us to stand up this committee. Uh, it consists of representatives of passengers with disabilities, airlines, airports, and others, and is tasked with identifying uh, and assessing, among other things, the disability-related access barriers that are encountered by individuals with disabilities. Uh, the first meeting will be held in Washington, D.C., at um, the Washington Plaza Hotel. Uh, it is open to the public, and um, there's a lot of work that's been poured into it so far, and we're looking, uh, very much looking forward to a very productive uh, and informative meeting. Um, I'll touch briefly on uh, just some of the rulemaking activity that we've done. Um, Megan and Rob have been um, really outstanding on these, in these efforts. They are the primary uh, drafters of, uh, of these rulemakings. Uh, the first uh, that I'll mention is um, an NPRM on accessible laboratories on single-aisle uh, aircraft. Uh, that's a notice of proposed rulemaking. Um, which proposes um, improvements um, that would uh, be part of uh, the interior of existing lavatories and additional services that airlines would uh, provide with respect to lavatory access. It also includes training requirements and, and proposes uh, improvements to the onboard uh, wheelchair. Uh, that comment period um, closes uh, very soon. It's fast approaching. Uh, it closes next week on March 2nd. Um, following that, we expect to issue soon a advance notice of proposed rulemaking that would solicit comment and gather updated information on the costs and benefits of requiring airlines to make lavatories on new single aisle aircraft large enough uh, that equivalent to that currently find on, found on twin aisle aircraft. Um, to permit pa- a passenger with a disability, um, with the help of an assistant if necessary, to approach, enter, and maneuver within the aircraft lavatory as necessary to use all the lavatory uh, facilities and leave by means of the aircraft's uh, onboard wheelchair. Finally, um, we will talk um, in greater detail about uh, a NPRM on service animals. Um, THE NPRM PROPOSES um, TO AMEND THE DEFINITION OF A SERVICE ANIMAL um, IN AIR TRANSPORTATION AND include SAFEGUARDS TO ENSURE SAFETY AND REDUCE THE LIKELIHOOD THAT PASSENGERS WISHING TO TRAVEL WITH THEIR PETS ON AIRCRAFT WILL BE ABLE, will be able TO FALSELY CLAIM THAT THEIR PETS ARE SERVICE ANIMALS. Uh, THE COMMENT PERIOD ON THIS RULEMAKING CLOSES ON APRIL 6TH AND um, I DID WANT TO NOTE THAT um, BECAUSE THIS IS a OPEN RULEMAKING, um we can talk about what's already public what's already in the nprm and that's what we intend to do to the extent that uh you have separate comments that you would like to offer for the department's consideration we kindly ask that you please uh post those to the docket um which is uh where we will look to uh review uh, all of the comments that we receive um in considering um next steps going forward with respect to, uh, service animals, uh, and, 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 rulemaking with regard to that. So, um, uh, with that, I will turn it over to, uh, Alex Tayday, and he'll talk about complaint handling and types of complaints we receive. All
1: right. Thank you, LeVon. <laughs> Sorry about that. As, La- as LeVon mentioned earlier, I've also received a new title. I'm now the Director of Civil Rights Advocacy. Um, while the title has changed, my duties, still fundamentally remain the same. I oversee our transportation industry analysts in handling of our civil rights-related complaints, including our disability complaints and uh, alleged violations of Part 382 in the Air Carrier Access Act. Um, On general, we get about anywhere between 1,200 to 1,500 complaints a month, um, but that's um, in all categories, refunds, flight delays, as well as our civil rights complaints. Our disability complaints, roughly, are about 8% of those on a monthly basis. Um, we strive to process these as quickly as we can. Um, we do have a little setbacks, like last year when we had the um, government shutdown, you know, the 35-day thing. While the government was shut down, we were still receiving complaints. Um, we, we came back to about 1,200 complaints um, that came in during those, those five weeks and our staff did a very good job processing those and we had all those processed and, and under investigation within two week time frame. Um, as I mentioned before, while we do have complaints along the whole range, I deal mainly with the civil rights complaints and from those we are mandated to investigate each and every one that we receive and we do our, our, our diligence, we work well with with Rob and Megan and the other attorneys of our staff to process those as quick as we can and get resolutions as as much as we can. I know everybody is very interested in service animal complaints, so before I turn it over to Rob, um, we do keep track of kind of the top five complaint areas that we receive. Um, Their failure to provide um, timely wheelchair, wheelchair assistance, failure to provide timely other assistance, um, seating accommodations on aircraft, um, damage or delay to assistive devices, as well as service animals. Um, our service animal category has always been down to the, you know, number three or number four of the most complaints that we were received. But for uh, 2019, um, it did creep up and actually moved into the number two slot. And... <laughs> Um, since, since I started keeping the, the, these records from 2008, it is actually the highest number of service animal complaints we've received in a given calendar year.
4: Yeah. Thank you, Alex, and uh, good morning. I'm going to give myself a total of six minutes uh, to talk so that we can uh, also have time both for Megan's presentation. Uh, and for uh, questions that you have. Uh, So as uh, LaVon had mentioned, our office has both an enforcement component and a rulemaking component. I'm going to talk right now about the enforcement component because uh, we still are enforcing the current uh, existing service animal rule. And until that rule is amended through a final rule, the existing rule will of course remain in effect. So we are in the process of amending the rule, but until that new rule becomes final, the old rule remains. Uh, So because of that, um, we have had a number of questions that have come up over the past couple of years about the scope of the existing rule how it should be enforced how it should be interpreted and uh, these issues were particularly um... coming to the forefront in light of the fact that in recent years a number of airlines have taken uh... steps on their own to impose certain types of restrictions on the carriage of service animals uh, Taking lots of different actions on a lot of different bases, and the question became questions came into our office in terms of are these things uh, that airlines are doing consistent with the uh, current rule, and how does the department enforce and interpret the rule in uh, these very in various ways? So, because of that, we issued at first a advanced uh, statement of enforcement priorities in May of 2018, where we indicated our uh, proposal for what we considered to be the proper interpretation of the existing rule and opened it up for public comment. After receiving about 100 comments, mostly from advocacy organizations and airlines, in August 2019, we issued a final statement of enforcement priorities uh, regarding service animals. That final statement is meant to do two things. One is to let the public know about the department's interpretation of the existing rule. So in that sense, it's guidance in terms of what we believe the current rule says and what it means. Second, it's a statement of our enforcement priorities, indicating that as an office with naturally uh, some limitation on our resources, that we are going to prioritize certain types of uh, violations and less of a uh, less inf- less uh, priority uh, on others. So, in that light, we then issued um, a statement that included about uh, ten different statements about various aspects of the existing rule. Uh, the main. I'll just cover a couple of highlights here. Um, The first one being species limitations. As I'm sure you know, uh, the Air Carrier (laughs) (laughs) Access Act does allow for a broader variety of species of animals to be transported on board aircraft as service animals. That is written into the rule, and until that rule is changed... It can't be changed. So we did indicate that, of course, um, there is a remains a broad variety of species that uh, can be accepted and must be accepted for transport as service animals. But we said that uh, we are going to ensure our priority as an as an enforcement office. We're going to focus our efforts on ensuring that dogs cats and miniature horses are accepted for transport what that means is that if an airline refuses to accept other species they will be in violation such as rabbits for example Uh, they will be in violation of our rule but as an enforcement matter we are going to focus our efforts on ensuring that dogs cats and miniature horses are accepted for transport people always ask about miniature horses there is a reason that they are prioritized but in practice they're almost never brought on board aircraft uh... and another big question that has come up has to do with um... the breed breeds of dogs um... certain airlines have uh, imposed restrictions on breeds such as pit bulls we did indicate that our current rule uh... prohibits restrictions based on breed so uh, and that is because uh, there, is, there is no, there is no, uh, we view a limitation based exclusively on breed to be not allowed under the service animal uh, regulation in part because it's inconsistent with the mandate that dogs as a species be accepted for transport. So that is uh, another one that has taken uh, quite a lot of, gotten a lot of uh, press. Um, the, the next one that is probably of greatest um, interest has to do with documentation requirements. Uh, airlines have, from time to time, imposed some of their own uh, documentation requirements when flying on an aircraft. Things like asking for veterinary forms, asking for behavior attestations, training forms, things like that. Our rule is silent about whether airlines can uh require those sorts of things or not. Our rule doesn't say anything one way or another about any of those types of forms. What the rule does say is that airlines are allowed to determine whether any animal poses a direct threat to the safety of individuals in the cabin. But the rule does not indicate how airlines can, may, or must uh, make that assessment. As such we have said that uh, we are not going to take enforcement action against airlines for asking users of any type of service animal uh, to present documentation related to vaccination training or behavior as long as it's reasonable to believe that the documentation would assist the airline in, in making a determination as to whether the animal poses a direct threat to the health or safety of others. This is an issue that we are continuing to monitor, and uh, one that we are monitoring closely. Uh, the enforcement statement does cover a number of other issues, such as containment of an animal on board an aircraft, uh, the number of animals that uh, must be transported of, uh, as service animals. We indicated that we would only take action that we would not take action if airlines limit the number of emotional support animals to one, uh, even though there's no. Um, specific number limits anywhere in our rule. Uh, And the final enforcement statement does cover a a broad number of other categories, but since my time is up and those are the highlights, uh, I will at this point uh, pass the baton to Megan to talk about the amendments to the rule, proposed amendments to the rule, and then we'll have some time for questions. Thank you.
5: Thank you again for having us. Um, I'm going to start off talking a little bit about the proposes that we made to the proposals that we made to the service animal rule. Um, as you all are probably aware, we currently consider a service animal to be any animal that is individually trained or able to provide assistance to a qualified person with a disability, or any animal shown by documentation to be necessary for the emotional well being of a passenger. Under the proposed NP- or under the proposed rule, um, we have um, proposed a definition of a service animal to be a service animal would be defined as a dog that is individually trained to do work or perform tasks for the benefit of a qualified individual with a disability, including a physical, sensory, psychiatric, intellectual, or other mental disability. Now, I know you guys are probably. FAMILIAR WITH THAT DEFINITION IN LARGE PART, IT'S VERY VERY SIMILAR TO THE the ADA DEFINITION OF A SERVICE ANIMAL UNDER THE DEPARTMENT OF JUSTICE'S RULE. Um, THE DIFFERENCE THOUGH WITH OUR RULE AND THE ADA VERSION OF THE RULE IS THAT THE WORD QUALIFIED DISABILITY IS IN OUR RULE WHICH IS CONSISTENT WITH OUR LANGUAGE IN OUR CURRENT PART 382 WHERE WE DISCUSS QUALIFIED INDIVIDUAL WITH A DISABILITY. SO THAT'S LARGELY THE ONLY CHANGE. Also in the NPRM, I think the most popular aspect of the NPRM is our treatment of emotional support animals We are now proposing that airlines would no longer be required to recognize emotional support animals as service animals This is just a proposal so (laughs) Um, uh, We are eagerly awaiting um to see the public's uh, opinion on uh, this proposal. And um, I'll, I'll get into the number of comments that we have received thus far at the end of uh, my summary. But um, that probably, as I said, is uh, the, the, the most popular provision that I anticipate that we'll receive the most comments about. Um, the third um, area that uh, we Discussed in our role that I think also is pretty popular. We've received comments about this area uh, for years going back to um, at least since prior prior to our 2008, our large 2008 amendment to Part 382. Um, But it's the fact that, or our proposal that psychiatric service animals would be treated the same as other service animals that are individually trained to do work or perform a task for the benefit of an individual with a disability. So as you guys probably know, under the current rule, um, individuals traveling with both Emotional support animals and psychiatric service animals um, have to provide or airlines can require them to provide 48 hours advance notice prior to travel and check-in one hour before the check-in time But for psychiatric service animals under the proposed rule that would no longer be the case. They would be treated um, Individuals with traveling with psychiatric service animals would be treated um, the same as all other service animal users So that's a big deal um, with respect to species as Rob mentioned our current rule has a very broad species requirement and Are under the proposal airlines would be permitted to limit service animals to dogs only so that's also another major change With respect to forms um, Rob also talked about um, How our current rule is largely silent on a lot of the new forms that airlines have started to implement under their new service animal policies And under our proposed rule, airlines would be permitted to require passengers traveling with the service animal to provide a completed U.S. Department of Transportation Service Animal Air Transportation Health Form. And they would also be permitted to require passengers to provide a U.S. Department of Transportation Service Animal Transportation behavior and training attestation form. That's a large a long title for two forms, but those are the the two forms that every um, Individual with the traveling with the service animal would uh, airlines would be required to um, Or uh, permitted to allow them to we permit airlines to require those forms from individuals traveling with service animals also on flights eight hours or longer Airlines can also require passengers traveling with service animals to complete a U.S. Department of Transportation Service Animal Relief Attestation Form. So um, these forms are pretty unique, and this is the first time the department has done anything like this. They're basically U.S. Department of Transportation forms that we know that there. we've received a lot of input. that, And we discussed this in the NPRM that there are a lot of different forms out there right now given the service animal policies and in order to bring some uniformity to the to the process the department is proposing to allow airlines to require these forms and these forms only. With respect to the number of service animals that airlines are permitted um, or that airlines can limit, um, airlines would be permitted to limit the number of service animals to Two passengers traveling with a single individual with a disability Large service animals
4: to Two two animals.
5: Oh, I said two people. I'm sorry two animals. <laughs> Let me repeat that <laughs> Airlines would be permitted to limit the number of service anim- animals traveling with a single passenger with the single with the disability to Two service animals two service animals. I apologize. Sorry about that um Airlines would also be required to um, would be permitted to require a service animal to fit on the handler's lap or within the handler's foot space on the aircraft. And with respect to control, again, uh, Rob mentioned some of um, what our current requirements are. Uh, Airlines would be permitted to require that a service animal be harnessed, leashed, tethered, or otherwise under the control of its handler. And those Require that proposal is again similar to what I'm sure you guys have seen in the uh, DOJ version of the ADA rule Service animal breed or type Airlines would continue to be uh, would continue airlines could continue to prohibit or airlines would be prohibited from would from refusing to transport a service animal based solely on breed or generalized physical type, as distinct from an individual assessment of the animal's behavior or health. Um, we understand that there might be concerns about um, that certain breeds might be dangerous, or the type of animal um, might be dangerous because of its jaws or the size of the animal, and the department is again encouraging comments in order to suss out those concerns. And finally, with respect to check-in requirements, airlines may require a passenger, well, we propose that airlines um, may require a passenger with a disability traveling with the service animal to check-in at the airport one hour before the check-in time for the general public. Um, But if an airline does this, um, an airline must have a person um, at the airport that would assist that individual prior to Prior to the um, time or would assist that individual um, To promptly assist the individual with the check-in process. So those are the major proposals in the notice of proposed rulemaking Um, at this time to date we've received approximately 10,400 comments on this on these proposals, so um, This is pretty popular. I think when we issued the notice or the advance notice of proposed rulemaking in May of 2018, we received a total of 4,000, a little over 4,000 comments, and so um, us, for us to receive um, over 10,000 comments is pretty remarkable. At this point, the comment period, as Levon said, is um, open until April 6 of this year, so we. Are eagerly awaiting all of the comments that you guys have on the rule um, Again, there are some very uh, popular provisions that when we are looking forward to your comments. So, Thank you
2: Thank you so much. Um, we're running low on time unfortunately So I think we can take one question from the audience and then I'm sure if it's okay with our uh, DOT guests they can take questions um, off to the side, but unfortunately we are running low on time
1: Hi,
4: this is Vicki
1: Prien. I'm curious. Um, many European countries have passports for specific um, service animals. Have, uh, have you all ever considered doing that? Because that would simplify a lot of things.
3: In the NPRM, we, we do not um, discuss or consider... Uh, Passports for animals, but we do talk a bit about documentation and the ease of uh, availability of fraudulent documentation and proliferation of it that's out there. So to the extent that you um, are proposing to um, comment for the department's consideration, passports similar to um, uh, what uh, European countries may be doing, that would be something that we would like to see in a comment.